On balance, I, I don't think salsa's for me. No, no. Waltz would have been much more appropriate, wouldn't yeah. it? I mean, I prefer to glide rather than uh, wiggle. Waltz it is. Let me find some music. We can do a waltz, can't we? And he's flexed, and then it's just one, two, three, one, two, three. Go on, Actually, even if I'm, I'm feeling a little unwell. Ooh, no staying power, some folk. Yeah, sit down for a minute. Hey, would you like to suck on a fisherman's friend? The talk of the street. 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 Hello and welcome to episode 250 of The Talk of the Street, an unofficial Coronation Street catch-up podcast that went to see Evil Dead Rise last night and the scariest thing was that the house had Billy's wallpaper. I'm Gavin. And I have tickets to the gun show. <laughs> Sun's out, gun's out. Sun's out, gun's out. The sun is out today. Taps off. <laughs> it's not really taps off weather though. Nah, it was kind of taps off yesterday. Of course my tap is never off. These well, days, nor is mine. <laughs> Not outside, anyway. No. <laughs> That's for a private show. Yes. Our private two-person show. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Yeah, it was kind of Scottish summer last weekend. And then it became Michigan spring <laughs> very quickly after right. that. So we had snow this week. Yes. A wee bit of snow. This is not the first time this sort of thing has happened. Though. It happens every year. It happens every year. Yeah. And we pretend that it doesn't. But it happens every year. And then after the last snow or spring, the spunk berries come out. Yes. Your favourite plant in the whole oh. world. Not only do we have a spunk berry tree in our <laughs> yard, but the parking lot at work. That's the, like a million the of them. The avenue that leads me from the parking lot to the building is flanked on either side by spunk berries. I weep for everyone who has allergies that works in oh. that building. Oh dear. I can't imagine. Yeah, it's not nice. And I'm, I don't know, I always say that I don't really suffer from allergies, but I'm feeling very Allergy-ish. stuffy and just achy and, and yeah. sore and yeah. wonderful things like that. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm a bit stuffed up too and it's definitely allergies because like I have a sinus headache. I'm also, I'm, and I'm also achy because yesterday I was going up and down a ladder to take pictures of blankets because that's my job. Mm. I get paid. To take pictures of blankets. I need to get a little jingle for your tales from the auction house. <laughs> and tomorrow I get paid to help sell guns because this is America. Oh, you're part of the problem. <laughs> I <am>. Excellent. <sighs> I mean, I grew up, I grew up in a hunting family. My uncles are essentially cowboys. You know, you've, you've met Uncle Henry. You know what I'm talking about. I have. And so, you know, I am I am not adverse to like a twenty-two rifle. I have shot a twenty-two rifle. I've 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 shot a pistol before. You know, these I have no problem with. However, I also have a cousin who has permanent brain damage because he was accidentally clipped by an AR fifteen on an elk hunting trip Ooh. by an idiot who thought you needed an AR fifteen to go on an elk hunting trip. In the middle of the Rocky Mountains. Yeah, that's going to hurt. Yeah. So, 
you know, I am, I am not adverse to some guns, but not, but I'm also pro responsible gun laws in this country and all other countries. So I quite enjoy shooting a gun. Yeah, you are the problem. And I'm quite good at it. Yeah. Um, You haven't done it in a while. I have a good aim. You do. So I'm going to have a naturally good aim. Yes. With my friend's uh, Glock (laughs) 9mm. That's not the only friend you have good aim with. (laughs) Well, that's for another podcast. (laughs) But every time I think about buying one, yeah. As opposed to just using my friends or renting one at the, the shooting range. Mm-hmm. I think as soon as I buy one, the chances of me dying by gunshot wound increase a, a million percent. A million fold. But you would be responsible and have it locked up and never have it loaded in the house. No, but the idea of just having it in the house makes me yeah. a bit uncomfortable. I'd, yeah. I'd probably have one and, and keep it at the at the gun range, but still... yeah. I don't, know if I, want, is, I don't know if I want to be that guy, though. And that's the yeah, that's but, what stops me. But you keep it at the gun range and it would be fine. Mm. You know, like I said, I grew up in a house that had two twenty two rifles hanging on my parents' wall my whole childhood. So I have a different relationship to them. Mm. You know, I, I'm not as fond of shooting them as you are, which is weird. But, you know. No, I, I, I had a lot of fun when I did it. It was it was good, but I prefer bows and arrows. But well, d- d- those are fun as well. Yeah, but I love archery. Yeah, only as like in a sport sort of thing, right? And I don't think I could kill anything with it. No, no, God, no. So anyway, well, that's a podcast <laughs> on the Second Amendment. I hope you enjoyed it. Shall we preamble, my dear? Yes, please. Give us some of that God-given Corey news. These rights aren't God-given. No. They were given by men. Yes. You should have known better. And we're not appointed by God. No. They're not kings. So anyway. Anyway. Well, we can all agree the acting in the Ryan storyline is top-notch. Top-notch. Tippity top-notch. Tippity top-notch. Let's give a hand to the work of Emmy Award-winning SFX makeup artist Davy Jones. Who is the one who has created the prosthetics for Ryan's storyline. That's very good. It's the guy from Pirates of the Caribbean. Is it really? Yes. One of the guys from the... Yeah. What, I mean, not the Davy Jones of Davy Jones so Locker. Gonna, I was going to say, next week maybe Ryan has a octopus head. <laughs> because that's Gary Oldham? Oldham? Is, is Old man. I think. Isn't it? Gary Oldman? Gary Oldman. Yeah. That's the... That's Davy Jones. I don't that's know. Who I haven't Davy watched Jones. any of those movies. You, you watched the first one, surely. no. Really? No, because they're shit. Well, the first one's good. And then they go all downhill. No, they're all shit. After that. Yeah, it's nice when the show splashes the cash on something other than floating guns. And volume walls. Let's Back not forget the volume walls. Back to guns. It's all, this, Ed, this is why I hate the floating gun thing. Because I've held a real gun in my hand. I know they don't float. I held one in my hand this morning. What about the gun? <laughs> Enough. Enough. <laughs> no, Usually it's, it's me making the sexy joke. It's a, it's a fantastic but uh, work though. Absolutely. It, it looks so raw. Mm-hmm. I think they've, they've captured the, the the essence of a burn mm-hmm. really Quite well. well. Yeah. Yeah. 
and uh, see when they were taking the oh, see when they were taking the bandages. Oh, oh God. God! Yeah, yeah. No, right? Yeah, because it looks sticky. Yep. You know, and I've had sticky wounds before. I know how that feels. Well, I think I've told the story. Being on vacation when I was a wee boy in Mallorca mm-hmm. and lying out on a on the lilo, mm-hmm. a inflatable. You know what a lilo is. Yes. And sticking to the back of it because the heat kind of I, I melted the plastic onto my skin, and then when I sat up off it, it tore the skin off my back. Mm-hmm. And my mum thinking that I was sunburned threw a t-shirt on me, <gasps> and then the t-shirt stuck to my back. Yeah. And then oh, see, taking that t-shirt yeah, off no, that night, no, that was kind of like what. Yeah. I imagined the Ryan stuff was like this yeah. week. Yeah. I got second degree burns when I worked at Red Lobster. And my manager said, oh, no, you're you're fine. Go home. And I was in shock. So I went home and went to bed. And the next morning, my arm was stuck to my sheets. Lovely. And they had to put me in like a jacuzzi tub at the hospital in order to get it off. Yes. Yeah. There's a joke about being <laughs> stuck to sheets. But we'll just, we'll. <laughs> I think we've, we've had I think enough. we've covered all that. Yes. <laughs> Sally Denever posted a lovely photo of herself with a husband and with daughter Phoebe as a bebe to celebrate Phoebe's 28th birthday. 28. And the fact that our Sal does not age. Because <laughs> she looks exactly the same as, as she does now. She, she has two ages. She has the age that she was in classic Corey. Uh-huh. And the age that she is now. Uh-huh. And I don't think she's ever been an age in between. No. And it's basically the same age. I mean, she. there are some slight signs of aging now, but she basically looks just the same. And, and, I, and I feel the way my hairdresser feels when she realizes I still don't have any gray hair when I look at Sal. Oh, hark at you. <laughs> And finally, casting news as Brookside's Claire Sweeney is set to join the cast of Corey as a dead person, maybe? Yeah. We're not, are we going to spoil that? Cause we know no, we- that's why I said as a dead person, maybe, because I'm not spoiling it. It could be any dead person. There are lots of dead people on Corey, aren't there? Yeah, it, it's, you don't need to look too hard to find out who she's coming back as. But when I found out, yeah. I, I got the calculator out. So like, My eyebrow how, how went up. How does this work? Mm-hmm. But you know what? Sure. <laughs> At this point, sure. Sure. Are you happy that all of Corey News this week involved people who are still on the show? You know, you're right to point that out. Because <laughs> <laughs> so frequently, I'm, uh, nobody who reads the regular news has to deal with this. When, when the regular news is getting read out, the guy who reads the weather isn't tutting. So, yeah, well done. Good job on contemporary recording news. Yeah, I, I, almost, think, I think we all appreciate that. Yeah, I almost mentioned Millie Gibson's new Doctor Who outfit that well, the photos of were released last week. Yeah, she looks great. And yes, they both look great. Her and Shuri both look great. That's the new Doctor? Yeah. I, I don't think I knew that. Did I? I don't I, think I did. I, I'm sure you did because we've, did. we've talked about the f- fact. Have we? Well, I don't think you know him as an actor. I don't think I do. Because you don't watch Sex Education. No. Yeah, he's also in the new Barbie movie. He's one of the bar- he's one of the Kens. I think Millie looks much older 
She does. Like not in her eighties or anything. No, like that, no, but she looks, but she looks older her, than she looks her actual age. Yeah, she does, and it, and it looks and she looks gorgeous. I, I may they be both tempted look just to watch the first episode before I get bored with it and never watch <gasps> it again. This is me turning again, and, now, and that's Corey news. Well, podcast for coffee. We're on our own coffees this week, <gasps> but the talk of the street, despite that, is and always will be free on your podcast provider and on the YouTubes. People always forget about the YouTubes. <laughs> but if you think our show is worth anything more than the time it takes to listen to it, and sometimes it is. I mean, clearly not now, but sometimes mm-hmm. it is. And if you want to show your appreciation, you can buy us next week's coffee by going to ko-fi.com. That's ko-fi.com slash the talk of the street. And we will be very appreciative, won't we, Helen? Yes. What are you drinking tonight? I'm back on the Canada Dry Zero Sugar. Oh. Oi. Oi, Canada, Canada Dry. dry. <laughs> I'm drinking cranberry juice out of my out of my Captain Kirk glass. Not William Shatner, the Chris Pine Captain Kirk. A.K.A. the best Chris. Do you know from here it looks like Peter Capaldi? You know he does kind of look like a young mm-hmm. Peter Capaldi. Yeah. They could play. They could play father and son in something. Somebody get on that. Now, one thing that I did notice during Corey News was that Helen didn't have to take her glasses off to read it. <laughs> and you're getting used to them. Yes. Join me. <laughs> Join me. You know what? You know what? I still find myself sometimes out of habit flipping my glasses onto my head. Mm-hmm. I'm trying very hard not to do that. But, and I'm wondering if my headaches are slightly because of the progressives and probably not just my allergies. Bit. Probably a little bit. It but, takes you a week or so to get used to them. Yeah. So far, so good. Join me. I'm old. Not as old <laughs> as you, but I'm old. And now, this. <laughs> Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to Last Year Tonight with me, John Oliver. Just enough time to quickly talk about Insignificant Other. Insignificant Other. Is this Leanne and Nick? That's right, this was Daisy assuming what she was to Daniel after the whole Nicky debacle. Oh, yeah. She was his Insignificant Other. How far we've come. I was Gavin and you'd spent all morning explaining to people that there are jokes in Steve Martin's King Tut song, actually. Yes. None that I noticed. <gasps> Shame on you. It's not funny. He's not he funny. Is man. He funny. Is, he, he, he is a national treasure and unproblematic. How many comedians his age can you say that about? He was funny in The Jerk and he was funny in The Man with Two Brains. And I think that's it. Uh, how about uh, how about the man in the, uh, in the plaid suit? Or Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid. Mm. I love that movie. I don't think it's that funny. And then planes, trains, and automobiles, it's John Candy that's getting all the chucks in that, isn't it? They're both funny, because you need both of them for the those-aren't-pillows joke. I confused Braveheart for the Bible. <laughs> Talking about the King Tut stuff forced me to quote Barry Cryer, explaining, A joke is like dissecting a frog. No one laughs and the frog dies. Someone is arrested for being diabetic and the story for eating disorder is finally revealed. After reflection, Abby offers a truce to Imran and Toya, who are hell-bent to prove that she's back on the muck. 
As work on Rick the Chin's house has started, Ed and Paul find a bag of lovely cash stashed under the floorboards. It's too bad he didn't keep it. He wouldn't be having these problems this year. I was thinking exactly the same. Eileen and The Undertaker, because we were still calling The Undertaker back then, are back together on the show, which means there must be a misunderstanding to threaten the relationship coming up. Sally gets back from Gina's again and is more determined than ever to get rid of Tim's mum. Daisy decides that the best way to protect her relationship with Daniel is to set Nikki up with one of her friends. Mr Little has some explaining to do. Simon is a grass. And Ashley has a sex cardigan too. Who? Ashley. Who is Ashley? Remember Ashley Fruit Juice? The no. football player. Oh, yeah. That uh, yeah. Daisy tried to set up with Nikki. Yeah. Our moment of the week was Summer telling Billy about her eating disorder and our boring moment of the week was Daniel fobbing Bertie off with Ken, unseen. Right. And that was Coronation Street and the talk of the street that, this time last year. That was year. when the, the camera was set up to be looking up at Daniel saying to Bertie, no, no, go inside. Mm-hmm. Go to Granddad. Granddad's not there. <laughs> and and Bertie's not there either. No. Mm-hmm. Oh, the magic and the trickery of show business. Hmm. Shall we dive in, my dear? Yes, please. I'll just get my guitar. No! I did say I had a headache, right? For our first, yeah. But it's a, it's a progressive lenses headache. It's not a my guitar playing headache. It, well, just, not yet, anyway. It will be soon. <clears throat> Such a cruel, cruel husband. Just in Stalking's Rides again. Again. Ah, oh, that, that is, is so well out of tune. tune. That's terribly out of tune. That is awful. Ew. Again. No. You do not love me. That's Just in Stalking's Rides again, y'all. On Monday... It's morning at number one, and Daniel has been an asshole to Daisy. It's Justin's, yeah, it's Justin's plea hearing later, but she has no intention of going. Do you mind if I go rather than stay with you and offer you support, asks Daniel. Knock yourself out, she says. Daniel is sure you'll plead guilty and get life. Daisy, though, isn't so sure. Oh, yeah, we're getting all the good tunes out of the road very early this week. Mm. <laughs> in the hospital, meanwhile, Alia goes to visit Ryan, who also wants to hear Justin admit his guilt. To distract him, she has brought in a music trivia game or something, and she's also brought in some curries. He jokes about never leaving the bed, and she doesn't look like she finds it funny. Well, yeah, he's like, oh, I see what you're trying to do. You're trying to make me so fat I can't leave the bed. And that's, that's not funny. <laughs> At work, Daisy is finding it hard to concentrate despite Jenny's offer to close the bar and go to the movies or offer the latest Marion Keys novel, which is apparently always good for a laugh. Hmm, what movie do you think they'd go to see? 84 Brady. <laughs> yes. 80 for Brady. Or Ticket to Paradise. I went to see Evil Dead Rise last night. You mentioned it already. And I never go to the movies. That late. At like 9.30 on a mm-hmm. Thursday night. And I didn't get back until midnight. Yeah. And I am so t- so tired as a result. Yeah. They have Billy's wallpaper. Did you? Yes. And I was sitting staring at this gory scene thinking, do you know that is Billy's wallpaper that's up there? 
And look, they've tiled underneath their cooker hood. Mm. Dead women are, are better at housekeeping than Billy. At the court, Justin eyes up Daniel in the gallery, and then once his charges have been read out, he pleads not, not guilty. guilty. There are gasps from the audience, and Daniel hangs his head. Daisy was right, and he fucking hates it when that happens. He goes to the pub and apologises to Daisy and lets her know. Meanwhile, back in the hospital... Do you think he, do you think he did that because Daisy wasn't there and Daniel was? Oh, yeah, I hadn't really thought about it. He, he did look with disdain in At, Daniel's direction yes. so I guess maybe there was something something in that yeah she was right not to go yeah absolutely she was right not to go because she was right that you know that 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 gives him the satisfaction of seeing her again mm-hmm. and that would cloud his stupid head into thinking that she cares yeah I don't think Daniel was right to go no. either I'm not too sure about his reasons for going. He said that he wanted to see him getting... Right, getting, getting what's getting, coming to him. Getting life and stuff, which he was never going to get. But not he, right wa- away. he wanted to see some kind of form of justice. Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure. I, I wonder if Daniel's motivation for going there was, was as a kind of just I'm out and you're not kind of thing. I kind of fuck you to to Justin, which I guess is fair enough, but... I don't know. The whole thing, the whole thing, because he's clearly guilty. There, he he gains nothing except dragging this out. Well, he ends up getting a longer sentence, probably. Yeah. So it makes no sense for him, because the, the evidence is, is so clear. Let's call it overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just, there's just something about Daniel being so keen to go that made me wonder if he was doing it for the right reasons. Well, it's Daniel. Yeah. Meanwhile, in the hospital, Ryan reveals that the doctors don't think his face is healing as it should, but he feels it's getting better. Daisy comes in and tells him about Justin being a total prick and pleading not guilty. This upsets Ryan hugely and Alia comforts him. Daisy thinks that she's never going to get her life back and then she remembers where she is and who's wearing the bandages here, so she right. shuts up. Alia assured Justin will get what's coming to him eventually. Later, Daisy's left and forgotten her purse. Ryan is still muttering away about Justin and how this is going to affect Daisy. And Alia tells him to think about himself and she takes his hand. He tells her how scared he is and how important Alia being there is to him. Mm-hmm. He tells her that he loves her. Yikes. She says nothing. And then she says that she loves baked beans too. <laughs> well, doesn't Ryan feel like a fucking asshole? Alia tells him that of course she loves him, but only as a friend. And she thought that he knew that. Ryan pretends that he's tired and confused and he didn't mean to declare his love and it was just a misunderstanding. Mm. And so she leaves, promising to come back. And she goes straight to the pub to give Daisy her push back, which she apparently hasn't missed. She tells Daisy about what happened and how bad she feels about what happened. Mm-hmm. She says she doesn't even think Ryan does love her. He just feels lonely. And this gives Daisy an idea. A bad idea. Oh, such a terrible idea. So she goes back to the hospital where Ryan is reading an article about the best broadband providers in 2019. Daisy has a wee surprise for Ryan and in walks Scouse Crystal, who I still can't understand a fucking word that she says. (laughs) This makes Ryan angry as he feels that he's been pitied, but Crystal insists that she was in the country and wanted to know how he's doing, or so the subtitles said. (laughs) Later, Ryan is talking to Crystal about his DJ skills and how he expects to still be able to come out to Ibiza in the summer, but maybe he'll just have to get one of those Daft Daft Punk Punk helmets. helmets. I love that. And this seems to take Crystal by surprise and she hurries out when her phone rings. 
Rang is feeling normal for the first time, he says, and he has something to focus on, namely Ibiza and Crystal. And Daisy encourages us, saying that Crystal wouldn't be here if she didn't fancy him too, which was a terrible thing to say, Daisy. Yeah. Daisy leaves just as a flustered Crystal comes back in. Ryan is in better spirits later when he talks to his doctor. According to Ryan, he thinks Crystal likes him for him and sees past the bandages. But as this is going on, Crystal storms into the pub to accuse Daisy of ambushing her. Ryan hasn't got the Ibiza gig anymore because she has a business to run and she had to get someone else and this is none of her fucking business anyway so Daisy can tell him that he's no longer got the gig. She's fucking off back to Ibiza tomorrow. She didn't sign up for any of this. And back in the hospital... Which is very shady because Daisy's not the one who hired him. You're the one who hired him. So you're the one, Crystal, who should tell him he doesn't have the gig anymore. So regardless, of course, it's also kind of unethical that she was trying to get into his pants as well as have him DJ, as well as being his boss in a way, hiring him to do DJing in Ibiza. Mm. There's there's so much unethical about this whole situation from her end. And she's just lucky that nobody else is thinking about that and pointing out how unethical she's been. Well, I don't think she's I don't think any contract of employment has been offered here. I don't think. There's been anything signed. They were just going to go to Ibiza together. No, she, he was going. Yeah, once he, he once he got there, he was going to DJ. But right, I don't think there was anything. He was going to DJ for up. her because she was she's an events planner. Mm-hmm. She's a, got a business to run, so she hired someone else. Yeah, because after, he's been unable to do it because he's currently in the hospital. Right. Yeah. So there was an agreement of employment there. I don't think it was as formal as that. No, it was verbal, but it was still there. Mm. I mean, I don't think she's doing the right thing, but no. I don't think she's really, I don't think she's really done anything particularly wrong in that mm. respect. Yeah, she said that she didn't sign up for it. She said that she barely knows him, which right. is true. Which is, and she didn't sign up for being the, you know, the the bit of fun for somebody with horrible, horrible scars. Mm-hmm. And she has. She's known him for a week. Yeah, it's still cruel though to say that. And of course, she doesn't say that to Ryan's face. No. Back in the hospital, Ryan is ready to see his face without the bandages. So some good's come out of this. Hmm. On Wednesday, Carla's at the hospital with a homemade smoothie for Ryan that'll put the twinkle back in his eye. They chat about Crystal and Alia for a bit when the doctor comes in to confirm that today is the day that Ryan sees his injuries for the first time. Ryan jokes that his good side is still a seven or an eight. In the rovers, Daisy, Ali and Debbie are chatting about that fucking cow Crystal who is not interested in a romance with Ryan and Debbie wonders when Ryan is ever going to catch a break. More foreboding words have never been said. (laughs) Right. Back at the hospital, Carla hangs around to give Ryan support as they cut off the bandages. He's wincing and deep breathing and... Ugh, it's just so... It just makes you just want to curl all your extremities up yes yes we've met i think we've mentioned our injuries before and carla is clearly shocked by what she sees and she Mm -hmm. has to close her eyes and he's looking the other way so he doesn't see her reaction reaction, thank goodness but her reaction just oh my god i'm filling up again Mm -hmm. just thinking about it she did such an amazing job so yeah so she's shocked she puts on a brave front and she continues to be the wonderful supportive aunt that we all know that she is mm-hmm. the psychologist is there when ryan is given a mirror and he looks at himself and he's gutted because it looks so much worse than he was expecting he felt like it was healing 
Kala tells him that what she sees is courage and bravery and a handsome man. And that just got me off, set me off Aww. again. And the area is smaller than she was expecting. The twinkle, she says, is it's still, still there. there. But Ryan is taking it hard and it gets worse when the specialist comes back in to tell him that the wounds aren't healing as they would like. And so they want to do another skin graft. And Ryan is very opposed to this idea because yes. of the pain that he got from the last time. But the medical staff insist it's for the best and this is going to make it better. His, his body clearly needs some, some help. help. And I thought that was a really interesting, interesting bit of information about skin grafts because I don't know if... I don't know if I've given much thought to what goes into a skin graft, mm-hmm. but what they're doing is they're taking some skin from his thigh. Right. There's more to it than this, right? <laughs> right. And sticking it on his face. Yes. So they're creating a wound on his thigh mm-hmm. that's clearly needs, is going to need time to heal, and there's going to be, I would imagine, at least pretty sore. <laughs> right, but it's healthy skin. Right, and then they've got what is happening on. On his face as well. Mm-hmm. And when Ryan described it as, as a worse pain that mm-hmm. you, you can't face again, I don't think I'd ever Considered questioned that, about how, yeah. you, how sore a skin graft much must be. And it doesn't, when you think about it, it doesn't sound like it would be not sore. Right. The word graft makes it sound kind of serious and, right. and kind of nasty. Right. But that reaction to it, I think, is maybe the first time I've ever even given much thought yeah, yeah. Consider, yeah, yeah considered it so yeah so bravo to the show for that oh absolutely so they want to do the operation this afternoon Kala grabs ryan's hand and tells him that he can do this you can do it and she goes to get his jammies and he tells her to go and get herself a fancy coffee from that from that coffee shop that's at least 10 minutes away yes back in the pub everyone is still worried about ryan jenny is even a bit sarky that daisy is always worried about ryan Rodney asks when they're going to break the news about Crystal so Daisy makes a bit of a Daisy face. Mm -hmm. When Carla gets back with the coffee and the jammies, Daisy's in the room, but there's no Ryan. The doctors come in looking for him to do the pre-op and that's when Daisy notices that his backpack is gone. This is bad news because his wounds are still open. They're likely to get infected. Yeah. And the doctor says that he might even get sepsis from this. And it's like, all right, doctor, we get the idea. Uh We need to find them. Right. Seriously, though. You adding drama to this is not making us find them any quicker. Sepsis is no joke. You can die from that. And everybody knows that it's important to find Ryan. We're not going slow because we think that he might not get sepsis. My bloody doctor was here for Seriously. Wasn't that a nurse? Yeah. Still, seriously. Daisy and Carla run off to find him. Daisy goes looking in Nina's roles, which gets Debbie, Dee Dee, Ronnie and Shona all looking for him, or all helping to look for him. Right, and Debbie's dander is up. Oofed. Yeah, up. nobody'd be hurting How my mind. Right. Which is so sweet and delightful because you remember that they have this this bond of... Of stealing money from the theft. safe. Yes. You know, it's it's nice that, that Ryan has so many people who love him. And that's what he needs to know, that there's yeah. so many people looking for lovely, lovely Ryan at this yes. moment. But it's Carl and Daisy who see him hanging around the tram station in his hoodie. He's confused and agitated and Daisy sees his scars for the first time. And she's shocked too. But Ryan is too distressed to notice as Carla leads him back to the flat. I thought they did both of these uh, reveals Mm -hmm. just so well. The the Carla one particularly when she has to close her eyes. And 
Daisy, you right. can just see it in her face, the magnitude of this right. as she walks away And then away she from quickly him. masks it mm-hmm. when she's looking at him. And then when she turns, it's like, oofed. Yep. We're oh. going to get one more of those. Brilliantly done. Yes. Yeah, so Carla leads them back to the flat. And later at the flat, Daisy calls the hospital and learns that they can still do the operation today, but Ryan is still very strongly against the idea. Carla and Daisy talk him round. It's for the best, and really, he has no choice. Ryan is in tears as he talks about everything that he's lost, everyone he's lost. Carla says this will help him heal, and he's not alone, and she promises to look after him when he gets out. It'll get better. And so Ryan lets them take him back. Back at the pub, Daisy's still kicking herself for not telling him about Crystal. It seems she's ignoring his messages. Daniel thinks he's maybe got the hint by now. Thanks for that, Daniel. Mm-hmm. So Daisy gets uh, on one of her old burner phones and sends Ryan some texts pretending to be Crystal. Yeah, because that's a great idea. Yeah, let's start doing that. And she gently dumps him, telling him not to give up, how great he is and stuff. And Ryan seems to appreciate it as he's been led away for surgery. And meanwhile, Daisy's keeping the secret from Daniel. Mm-hmm. So on Friday, at hospital, Ryan is very low, despite the doctor being pleased at how the operation went. Carla's keen to get him home, and the doctor confirms that he can leave this afternoon. So that's nice, isn't it, Helen? Yes. Carla is keen to look after Ryan now that Simon has moved in with a mate. Simon's got mates? Simon's got mates. And we never, we never knew about this? This, this kind of feels like Simon's moved away. No, it, it sounds like he's just moved down the road. The way if he's moved down the road and it's mates that we know about. Well, it's not. It's it, it's not the it's not. That's who that's who Aaron should have gotten to move in with him with Simon. Nobody remembers poor Simon. Poor Simon. Poor Simon. Aya was in the area, so drops in to see Ryan. Always the least pleasant way to go see someone, isn't it? Oh, mm. it was just an area. So you didn't come here particularly to see me Well, then? I think she just says, oh, I was... D- I mean, because, come on. And this is the first time she sees the scarring. Yeah. You know, and there's this, there's this look in her face too, but it's a lot more gentle, I think, yeah. than, than the other two. Let's remember, though, Alia's been blown up and stabbed. Right. This quarter. Right. Yeah, so she's seen worse. <laughs> she's pleased that the op went well, but Ryan is still down in the dumps. When Carla comes in, he asks her to get him some food. She tells him to go and fucking get it himself. He needs to move around. Back from getting something to eat, Ryan seems to assume that every time he hears people laugh, he thinks that they're laughing at him, at him right. and his scars. And this hasn't helped when the wee lassie pushes her truck into his room. And when she runs in to retrieve it, she shits himself when she sees Ryan. He snaps at Alia, doesn't know why she's even there. She was in the area. Right. And tells her that he doesn't need her friendship. <clears throat> in Which the pub. is fucked up. Daisy is worried because she sent Ryan three texts and he hasn't responded to any of them. Alia goes into the pub and explains to Daisy about what happened with the wee lassie and how Ryan isn't really talking to her and has switched off his phone, so that's why mm-hmm. he's not responding to your text, Daisy. She asks Daisy to go around to check on him. So Daisy goes to see Ryan <clears throat> and those how down he is after Crystal uh, panned him, he turns his phone on to placate Daisy, saying that he only turned it off to stop getting bad news from people. Mm-hmm. And then back at the Rovers, Daisy's got her other phone out again. <laughs> and like, oh dear, this has become a, a pattern of behaviour here. Yes. And she sends Ryan texts as Crystal, and then Ryan responds, and then Daisy responds back as Crystal. And it's light, and it's humorous, and it's utterly creepy behaviour from Daisy. Yes. But it seems to bring Ryan some slight joy. 
and bolstered by his fake chat with Crystal, Ryan apologises to Carla for his attitude earlier and asks for a pizza. He says that he's starting to feel like himself again. And that is as far as we get with that storyline of this week. Good storyline. I mean, as, as much as I kind of loathe all of the trauma dumping mm-hmm. on the show, I think this one has been handled really well. And, you know, and they're doing a good, careful job with everything. Yeah, we're not doing a he's out of hospital a day later right yes exactly which, <laughs> which let's remember i'm not when sure. alia was stabbed that's what happened I don't think and when did, alia was blown up she, she didn't, didn't even, even go to the hospital didn't even go to the hospital after getting blown up so he's been in the hospital for a while yeah undergone i think several operations really yes and it's a slow road to recovery and i'm glad that they're yeah they're treating it like that and they are treating it with with care mm-hmm. and as as is frequently the case, it's the aftermath of the big event that right. is the more interesting. Yes. You have that moment where the acid is thrown, but what you've got now is the rest of this character's life after right. that. Right, absolutely. And that's kind of where I think the storyline is, is kind of becoming, you know, less about the acid attack and more about ryan yeah and that's that's an interesting and and well-observed take i think so far i do think it's odd that he was able to go home right after the operation especially since he's made such a big deal about about the pain and everything and and especially on his leg it's supposed to be so painful and yet Mm -hmm. he's walking around yeah if anything maybe they they skipped a beat there yeah that maybe he should at least should be in a, bed. Mm-hmm, they should have taken a bit longer to get him home, maybe. Yeah. Or have him a bit less alert and more yes. obviously doped, <laughs> doped, doped up. up. Mm-hmm. Yes. But no, I think the main players in this are are, are doing a, a really great job. Yes, they've got this, their best people on this. This this burner phone thing, Yeah, though. this Daisy thing is just, no. Where is this leading to do you and, think and because i've got a sneaking suspicion that ryan and daisy are going to get back together <laughs> yes indeed <laughs> because Sorry, i don't daniel because i don't think this is i don't think it goes this way if that's not going to happen you've yeah, got because the wedding is the wedding is off now mm-hmm. there's no wedding nobody's mentioning it yeah nope. and i'm surprised that daniel has the awareness to not mention it right I'm surprised that he didn't. He's yeah. not tried to reorganize it, right? Yet, yeah. And Daisy lose a shit about it, right? Because she would, mm-hmm. rightly so. Yeah, but the way that this this relationship is is going to maybe build, right? Where she has kind of fallen in love with him through the texting by pretending to be somebody else. Does she ex- does she explain in the text why her phone number is different? Yeah, she lost her phone. Ah. That's right, yes. Still, this is weird and kind of creepy. And it just yeah, and all it does all it does is remind me that Daisy sexually assaulted Ryan mm-hmm. in the beginning of their relationship. Yeah. We're all we're all supposed to just be completely forgetting about that. Right. And yet this exact thing is exactly the sort of thing that reminds us mm-hmm. that Daisy and Ryan's relationship is creepy. Yeah, if they do end up as an item 
it's built on that yeah that, uh, not great. Uh, that abuse of trust that yeah not great not that, great bob no <laughs> it really isn't great bob i'm thinking maybe alia still has feelings for daniel not for daniel <laughs> i'm thinking that alia still has feeling for ryan for ryan too but, but as we've pointed out alia's had her fair share of trauma too so she's probably not in the headspace to want to be in a relationship no. with anyone. And the two of them being together through their their own separate traumas is probably right. not great. Probably not either. great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on then to our next storyline, which is one Roy and his dog. And you better watch where you're going with us, Coronation Street. That's all I'm saying. Just right, right at the start. You watch how you tread here. Yes. You tread lightly, show. We know where you live. I don't want to be losing my temper here. <laughs> Capiche? Capiche. Capiche. On Monday then, Hope is trying to cha-cha-cha, which even thinks looks like a monkey at a disco. Isn't, isn't that criticism towards Tyrone, though, and not, so. and not Hope? One would hope so. She's looking forward to her dance lessons, even though her twerking days are long gone. That's hilarious. Hope thinks that she needs a partner for it, though. She's got a point. So Evelyn runs into Roy on the street just as Glenda runs into both of them. Glenda is keen to know who Evelyn's partner is, so Roy is volunteered involuntarily. Right, because Tyrone's like, I'm not dancing the salsa with my nan. Right. So Tyrone, though, is roped into looking after Roy's small yappy-type dog. Yes, and Tyrone is so chuffed about this. (laughs) He is delighted to take care of this wee dog. He really is. So cute. At Little Big Shots, it is Little Big Shots, not Little Big Shot. Little Big Shots making me think of Billy Joel. Or, as we Scots people say, Billy Joel. Glenda is keen to get started on some Cuban heat. Glenda gets teaching. Evelyn is keen, but Roy is finding finding it difficult. Glenda gives them both some notes. She wants to see them both swinging their hips. They need passion and charisma. Roy doesn't think the salsa is for him, so they decide to to switch to To waltz. waltz. Roy, though, claims that he's feeling unwell and swiftly leaves and abandons Evelyn. Aww. Roy goes to Tyrone's to pick up Freddy, interrupting Ty's attempts at training the dog. Roy grabs Freddy, doesn't want to chat, and hurries off. And this leaves Glenda and Evelyn dancing together, but it's not going well. Evelyn accusing Glenda of having clown feet, even though Glenda insists that she's a petite size five. Evelyn wants a refund. Glenda reminds her that it was a raffle prize and asks if Evelyn needs help finding a partner. Evelyn insists that she has a long arm of admirers and doesn't need Glenda's matchmaking, thank you very much. And so she goes to see and Roy. And calls her a fan dancer. <laughs> she goes to see Roy <laughs> and is pissed off at Roy. Yes. He apologises, but her feelings have been hurt, although Fizz told her about Roy and Haley dancing and she thinks that he thinks this disrespects Haley's memory. Roy insists that that wasn't why he left and they further insist that he wasn't feeling well. Evelyn needs more detail, but Roy refuses to furnish her, so she leaves about as pissed off as she was when she arrived. At home, though, Tyrone tells her that if Roy said he was ill, chances are he was ill. Right, yeah. Roy is not one for for deception. Right. And sure enough, we see Roy in the cafe seemingly coming out of a, an angina attack or a heart attack. As he breathlessly tells Freddy that he's going to go and see Dr. Gadas tomorrow. And Freddy is reassured. Yes. And says, yep, 
Yep. On Wednesday, Evelyn comes in and Nina's rolls for a tea. Roy is still in her bad books. He apologises again and insists that he wasn't feeling well. Oh dear, how sad, never mind, she says. Which I think was her too bad, so sad attempt. Because she looks like she fucked it up. Yeah. Deliberately. Like, I think it's, uh, what, what's that racist car guy's name? Racist car guy. The British racist car guy. Jeremy Clarkson. Yes. There's a meme of Jeremy Clarkson where he's like, oh dear, so sad, oh well, sort of thing, which I thought was what she was doing. Oh, I think she was meaning to say, so sad, too bad, or that's not what it is, is it's it? It's too, too bad, bad, so sad. I think that's what she was meaning to say, but she mucked up because she looked like she kind of punished herself as she kind of walked out thinking that she'd said the wrong thing. Right. Or yeah. said the right thing wrong or whatever. Yeah. I or maybe think... she was just going for Jeremy Clarkson. Who yes. Knows? That's that's what I'm going for. <clears throat> the racist car guy. I didn't know who you meant. Which is <laughs> once I said British that it just Yeah, because that up narrows it down. <laughs> well, it narrowed it down enough for you. Roy goes to see Gadas and she gives him antidepressants. <clears throat> no, she doesn't. Roy goes to see Gadas and she gives him antidepressants as a welcoming gift, as well as some blood pressure meds. About these other turns he's been taking, she wants to get some tests done at the hospital. After Roy goes to see Evelyn and explains about his visit to the doctor and his chest pains, and now Evelyn takes it seriously and ushers him inside. He's really visiting her to ask her to look after Freddy for him when he's at the hospital appointment, but she refuses point blank because it's not a proper dog. And she isn't ready to look after dogs that aren't proper dogs. And besides, right. she says she'll be accompanying him to the hospital yes. for his appointment. Yes, she will. And will not be taking no for an answer. And then she walks over to the sink. And you she's quite so how, concerned. Yes. How, how, yeah, how concerned and nervous she is about this. And that's as far as we get with that this week. Yeah, it's funny because Evelyn should know better about Roy. And yet her feelings are so quickly hurt by him twice now. Mm-hmm. You know... First about Cerberus and, and then about this and, you know, and about him missing her birthday and stuff. And it's 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 so obvious that she has feelings for him because yeah. because she is so quickly offended. Yeah, if the two of them were just friends, then she wouldn't she'd, care. She'd brush it off or she'd realize, right. well, if you're not well, Roy, let's go to the doctor or right. something. But because her feelings are so much more than that. Right. She's hurt. The hurt is, is Because far more she real. should know at this point exactly what Tyrone tells her. If Roy says something, that's it. Yeah, he's not prone to lie about these things. No. But he does initially kind of hide the fact that he is this unwell from her, which makes me think that he also has feelings for her. See, I think that was more in line with what he said that after Melvin's. Mm-hmm. Was it Melvin? I think so. I think so. After Melvin's heart attack and subsequent death, right? He's maybe in denial a little bit about about these pains, which is more or less what he said to to Gadas, right? Or, or what Gadas kind of gleaned from that, I think, mm-hmm. that maybe he's just trying to ignore it, but it is making him more aware of his own mortality. I think. Yes. Yeah, it's a. It was a concerning little shot there when he was. Yes. Clutching his chest and right, and the heavy breathing that passed. Okay, it's passed. It's like, oh well, if you're looking as bad as this, and this is it passing. Right, how bad was it when, when it wasn't passing? Yes, so much, so much is off screen this week. I I enjoyed this week quite a bit, 
But there were so many things that happened off screen that I would have liked to have seen. Mm-hmm. That was very frustrating. I didn't want to see that. I didn't want to see him having. I, I guess it's an angina attack. Right. I don't think it was like a full full throttle heart attack. No. Because he, he'd, he'd likely he'd be, be dead. He'd he'd look different. Mm-hmm. But I don't want. I don't we want, don't want Roy to die. Ever. If, if if Roy is to go out of this... We would stop this show. Well, no. We would no longer do a podcast if Roy dies. If Roy goes out of it, I want him to go out of it to retire somewhere and be... And maybe be happy with... Go off with Evelyn and go off and Woody right. and have adventures. And, right. And that's, that's the last we see him of it. And then so in our memories... He's always alive somewhere. Right. Yes. I don't want to see the character dying because no. then when the character dies and he's never coming back. We riot. We do riot. Yes. And and I think And not quietly and either. I think, I think Corey should treat this as fair warning of that. Yes. Yes. That a, our feelings matter. There will be a dirty protest. Yes. So very, very dirty. Dirty, dirty, dirty. Yeah. You don't go mucking about with Roy. No. I mean, this is Nash Trej kind of level. Seriously. Beyond that, really. He's been Nash Trej for years. Yes. All right. Let's move on then to our next instalment of Tim's Mum About the House. Just a few scenes from Monday here. Timmy's mum and Stephen, guess what? Oh, they're in Nina's rolls. Guess what? They're having breakfast. Does, does nobody cook? Nobody cooks. Does toast and cereal not enough for these people? No. She wants to talk engagement party. Ugh. But Stephen buys some more time by being petrified of Tim. Right. She, she suggests, you know, doing something like a gender reveal party. For their wedding, where the where the balloon pops and it's like wedding bells and stuff. She's having a nervous breakdown right now, isn't she? She's right in the middle of it. The only good thing that came out of that was Shona's story about her mate who lost an eye at a gender reveal party. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> yes. I loved that. More of that, please. Well, how many friends has she got? And how many eyes do they have left? <laughs> <laughs> in the factory, Stephen and Michael have some low-key chat about Rufus's demise. Michael speculating that maybe he just fell into the pool. Thanks, Sherlock, says Stephen. Mm-hmm. And later, Stephen overhears Michael come off the phone with houndstooth leisure wear. Michael got the impression that they really didn't like Rufus there, but they've confirmed that they're honouring the deal. Stephen is impressed and takes Michael out for a drink. Then the pub, Stephen flirts with Jenny a bit and then takes a seat with Michael and he starts to impart some wisdom that could be about business but could also be about fucking Jenny rather than Tim's mum. Yeah. Yeah, he's remembered that he caught some feels for the Jenny. Mm-hmm. And Jenny's All of a had the feels for Stephen inexplicably Yeah, for some time now. Why do these two women like him so much? It's the accent. We've been there. It's the accent. It's not, the, it's not a good accent. It's not even sexy. It's Ohio. If there's one thing that's not sexy, it's Ohio. <laughs> Probably the unsexiest state <laughs> in the union. 
Are you done? Are you done dissing on Ohio? <laughs> Luckily, I don't think we have many listeners in Ohio. Most of them we have in Michigan. <laughs> well, actually, most of them are America from California. Really? Mm-hmm. That's interesting. And uh, some in Florida. Well, then it's a good thing that I didn't say anything about Florida. Some in Michigan. Did. Ontario, though, that's where it's happening. That's right. <clears throat> Canadians, mm-hmm. they love us. And we love them back. Absolutely. Ohio, not so much, apparently. Our f- we- I used to like Ohio until they continually pull me over and give me speeding tickets. Right. It's because of your Michigan license plates. It is. Tim's mum is desperate to get this engagement thing going. Moving, right. And I'm not sure... I'm not sure why she's fallen for Stephen's shit quite so simply yeah especially after the whole tim's dad debacle right yeah that you would think she'd be a bit more wary than this yes and a bit more on the lookout for the red flags because let's remember she was that person right when she was helping yasmin out right exactly she was taking an awful lot of care about who she lets into her circle right yeah remember how suspicious she was of um Jeremy Clarkson? What's his name? Who? That guy. That Yasmin lives with. Homeless Stu? Yes! Stu! Why could I could remember the homeless part, but I couldn't remember the Stu part. That's all you need to remember. And once you started to say homeless, you'd, Stu just drops right. off the tongue. Yeah. And I didn't want to say homeless, though, because he's not homeless anymore. Still homeless Stu, though. Yeah. Why, why do we still subject homeless Stu to homeless Stu? But we call the Undertaker George now. <laughs> Never really questioned it. <laughs> anyway, what was your point? When Yasmin first started dating Homeless Stu and invited Homeless Stu into the home and stuff, Tim's mom was very, very cautious and very suspicious of, of him and everything on Yasmin's behalf. Yeah. Here we have a serial killer who has somehow been able to fly below a radar. It's weird. It makes no sense. No. It's 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 one of those instances of the show forgetting who a character is just to make a story. All right, we'll move on then to <laughs> educating Eliza. On Wednesday, homeless Stew is still speaking, a thing. Speaking of homeless Stew. Homeless Stew is still a thing, and his granddaughter is refusing to go to school, claiming to be sick. So homeless Stew relents and gives her the, the morning off. Anything for an easy life. Later, he has a meeting with Didi and Alia, and Didi has only been able to get a meagre final settlement of £200,000 for him. She's sorry, as this only represents 20 quid a day for every day of his incarceration. Holmes Shoe, though, has just come in his pants. I'm rich, motherfucker, he yells. He jumps up, clicks his heels, and runs off, giggling. Yeah, and I mean, I can understand both perspectives. Didi is absolutely right. However... If $200,000 lands on you all at once, mm-hmm. it feels like a lot of money. Well, it's a lot of money. When you, when you don't think about the fact that it's only like 20 quid a day for all the days that you were in incarceration. Mm-hmm. He gets home and before he tells Jasmine, she tells him that Eliza has revealed that she's been bullied at school, which is why she was dogging it. Mm-hmm. Holmes Shoe tells her about the settlement and she comes in her pants too. And Dev, who has just come back from the <laughs> from the past after stealing Kev's old jacket when it was new, <laughs> he overhears and he comes in his pants as well. Yes, because 
Because Dev is Mr. Krabs. <laughs> the whole street is smelling like our yard. As Dev decides now to apologise to Homeless Shoe for being such an asshole to him a few months ago. Right. Dev's also wearing Kev's old jacket from the 80s, but it's new, so Dev's been time travelling again. And is also Mr. Krabs. Later, Homeless Shoe has a word with Eliza about her bullying problem, and it turns out she's getting a hard time because her mum's locked up for inexplicably killing that person when she was four or whatever. Homeless Shoe tries to help and tells Eliza that he'll do the best he can for her. And he goes and he speaks to Yasmin. He wants to use his 200 grand to buy Eliza's mum's freedom. And yes, I can't remember Eliza's mum's name. Yasmin reminds Homeless Stew that... But that's not how it works. This is justice. He didn't kill anyone and everyone else can suck her balls. It's a mess, but none of this is his fault. Right. On Friday, Homeless Stew ready to go to school with Eliza to talk with the headmistress. We don't get to see it. Eliza would rather that he just let it go, but Homeless Stew is determined. When he gets back from school, the meeting did not go well. The no. headmistress will deal with the bullying, but also thinks Eliza would be better off at another school. We don't like no murdering types around these parts. Oh, no, sir. So Homeless Stew now has it in his mind to send Eliza to the fancy private school, Oak Hill, which is where Kelly Rose, was. Which is where Rosie went to and where Kelly was. Yes. Later... The machines of bureaucracy move at lightning speed and later that day, or I think it was tomorrow, Eliza has an uh, interview and an entry exam to Oak Hill. Eliza's not sure about it. Isn't Oak Hill expensive? But Homeless Stew explains that he got a, health, a hefty payout when Eliza's mum got done for killing Charlie so he can afford it. Also, it's nearer to them. Right, yes. Which not is also, the nearest school which though. Which is also a benefit. At the precinct, Sam meets Eliza for the first time and she How? <laughs> How is it possible that these two children whose guardians both run restaurants on the same street within visual shot of one another and both of those children are into going to ro Nina's roles constantly and how have they never bumped into one another before? Eliza has met Miley before she's met Sam? Mm -hmm. How? How has this happened? How does this make sense? So we could see it now. It makes no sense. And I am angry. Oh, shush, it's lovely. He shares it, his sweets with her, despite not. the fact that he's going out with hope. Right, yes. This is, this is going to become a problem. They have a delightful wee chat, and she needs to do some maths homework, so he offers to help. So they go to speed dial and Sam tutors her and then Homeless Shoe turns up to talk about the Oak Hill interview tomorrow but she's not sure she wants to go and she asks for more time. Give her some space, says Yasmin. And uh, Sam. Eliza asks Sam what where the high is like. And later Homeless Shoe makes another plea for Oak Hill but Sam starts to quote Einstein so Homeless Shoe agrees to get in touch with where the high first thing now that the whole immigration problem thing that where the high was having now that that's over. Well, this is a different grade than what Max is in. Eliza and Sam head off for Sam to do more of her homework. And Sam is just a lovely, lovely little boy. Yes, he is. He, he is says, delightful. You, thank you for the lassie. Yes, yes. And also thank you for the lassie. Ha <laughs> ha. <laughs> yes, again, how has he not met Eliza if he's eaten at Speed Doll any time in the past few weeks? This makes no sense. Well, remember, it's because none of this has been a A or B storyline for the last <laughs> month or two. 
so that'll be why you know how you sometimes you don't see one of your friends for a couple of months because they don't have an a storyline or a b storyline remember remember how that happens in real life that's that's not how real life happens isn't it no oh well yeah i thought it was lovely um sam and eliza sitting in precinct together right. and, and chatting away and he doesn't realize that she's joking and she's got a bit of a sense of humor and stuff right and, and all that kind of thing and then i remember wait a minute aren't you going out with hope and right. she is going to fucking kill you no she's got to fucking kill eliza well that's not fair it's not eliza's fault no but this is hope we're talking about remember when the show was like oh we're gonna give hope happy cheerful childlike storylines from now on when is that supposed to happen <laughs> i don't think it's started yet no starting soon coming soon yeah after she murders Beth. <laughs> no, I like the two of them. I like the two of them together. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think Sam's probably treating it like I, like I mentioned. Right. How a wee boy, how does a wee boy treat going out with somebody when you're right. that age? It's like, yeah. well, it's just somebody who's a bit of a closer friend. That's really it. There's right. No, I don't think there's much in the way of even the acknowledgement that you need to be loyal. No. Not at that age. I think he does understand the concept of loyalty, though. Yeah, I just don't think he sees that that applies to him in this situation. I don't know. He's a smart kid. Yeah, but is he smart in the ways of the street? And is he smart in the ways of love? Well, clearly not. This is where he learns that this is what you should be doing. You should be thinking about the person that you're with. Yeah. Although we've never seen Hope and Sam together since, since they decided, they decided, that, they decided that they were going out, yeah. But and that one time that Tyrone took them to a movie together, and that just seemed like a way to, to get fleece, them out of the house to fleece more money out of Tyrone. Right. Yeah. What do you think Homeless Shoes going to do with this money? I think he and Yasmin are going to go on a long vacation. He's a rich man now, and is with Yasmin who. Up until recently, haven't they been having money problems yes. with the restaurant? Yes. Do they now just magically go away? Yeah. Or are they not thought about? No. No, because because the dad is gone, so they don't have to worry about it anymore. He took the money problems. Right, yes, because he was the one who was money laundering. Remember mm. that? I do remember that. Yes. Those were amongst the, the favourite storylines of that year, whenever that was. Hmm. Only when that guy had the heart attack and died. No, I also and liked walked it. in front of the camera. I also liked it when they walked in at the camera. That was, <laughs> that was funny as well. <laughs> but I'm dying was quite amusing. Mm. Was that a couple of years ago? Yeah, that was a couple of years I'm ago. I'm coming, Elizabeth! <laughs> oh, well. <sighs> it reminded me of Sanford and Son for some reason. I don't know what you're talking about. No, of course so not. So let's move on yes. to our next storyline, which is, Hello God, it's me, Billy's tax rebate. I cannot wait for that movie. On Friday, Indina rolls. Billy suggests a holiday with Paul to get away from it all. Paul worries about how to pay for it, but Billy tells him not to worry because God has given him a tax rebate. Huzzah! Paul feels a failure for not being able to contribute, though. At home, Paul gets a call about his hospital appointment next week, and when he presses him, do I have motor neuron disease? They refuse to tell him. And, that, that, and, and that's, that's exactly what should happen. Exactly. 
when Billy comes in, he pretends that he's got news of another shift at the bistro and it was actually Nick that he was talking to. Uh-huh. Paul heads to the pub and overhears Michael and Carla talk about Rufus being dead and all that. Yeah. And how and he was packed full of the drugs when they fished him out of the pool. And he's got such a panicked look on his face when yeah. he hears that. So maybe he didn't know that Rufus was dead and why would he know? Well, Rufus wasn't dead at the time he that he stole the car. He doesn't move in these circles. Yeah, no. but, we're, but we're at Friday by this point. Billy appears out of nowhere. God, he appears at his back as well. If I was Paul, I'd have shot myself. <laughs> and he tells Paul that he's bought new sewing trunks for the Hollybobs. Paul makes his excuses and, and rushes off to work. apparently they're very wee. Despite the shift being made up. Because I thought, why is he going to the bistro? Because Nick didn't call to give him a shift. Right, but, anyway, but apparently he does have a shift. So Paul sees Damon in the bistro. And once again, Damon has to tell Paul that he knows nothing about Niall and wants nothing to do with any of this car stealing thing. Then later, Billy, who doesn't work in the bistro kitchen, turns up in the bistro kitchen to apologise for splashing out on the holiday when Paul has all this debt to worry about, so he's decided to clear the loan instead of going on holiday. It's nice that at no point in their interactions this week has Billy asked Paul what he wants. And that's as far as we get with that. It, yeah. It is the smart thing to do, though, to take care of Paul's. Yeah, so Dance. why is it taking Billy this long to realise that? Right, yeah. Yeah. You're supposed to be a man of God. Your boyfriend is up to his tits in debt. Right. Can't work much because of his hand. Yeah, which Billy doesn't seem to realise. Well, Didn't Paul, he? is. Paul. to be fair, isn't telling them everything. No. But, but Billy knows that... He's got this nerve damage right. that wasn't necessarily just... Because of Carla hitting him. Does does Billy know that the compo's not going to happen now? I believe he does. Because because if he thought that the compo was still happening, he wouldn't be saying, I need to clear your debts. Yeah. And he's also not mentioning it. Right. Like what's happening with the compo. Right. So is Bertie the only one? Not Bertie, Bernie. Is Bernie, <laughs> Bertie has nothing to do with it. So is Bernie the only Maybe one? Maybe he should. <laughs> yeah, so Bernie and Gemma are the only ones who don't know that he's got something really debilitating that was caught co- that was not caused by Carla, and that he's getting this compo. But Billy doesn't know how serious that is. No, nobody's mentioned any motor neuron disease potential to to him. No. So, so yeah, Billy. Billy is just blinded by the Bobby, which is just. And it feels unbecoming of an archdeacon. Right, yeah. To have... Well, I mean... This have, isn't the first time. Have carnal thoughts, sure. Don't be completely right. obsessed by them. And that seems to be how yeah. he is. And is it is it seemly for a priest to be wearing... Archdeacon. Yes, well... Not the same thing. No. But is it is it seemly for a man of the cloth in any capacity, to be going to the beach in such a teeny, itsy-bitsy, teeny-weeny, yellow polka dot bikini bottom. Do you think he still has his dog collar on as he's got his <laughs> tiny little speedos on? Do you think he keeps it on during sex? His collar? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Or does he wear a different collar during sex? <laughs> I am choosing not to think about that. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> hmm. 
<laughs> You're thinking about it. Well, it's like saying elephant. Now, obviously, you're thinking about an elephant. And Billy? On an elephant? Um, so the other thing that kind of happened in that was the, the mention of Rufus. And maybe Paul getting a bit of realisation that the car that he stole is now Belongs suddenly much, man. much hotter than it was right. already. Yeah. Yeah, because he does kind of shit himself when he hears that. But again, nobody's mentioning it. And, and yeah, nobody's mentioned the car yet. The, the murder is now, well, it's more than a week since the body was discovered. And they're not calling it a murder. And it, it seems to be just treated as an accidental death. Yeah. So it kind of feels like Stephen's absolutely got away with this one. Until, of course. And so has Paul. Until, of course, they notice that the car's gone. Well, Which, would, it's been a week. By Shouldn't now? they have noticed by now? But then again, these are the Weatherfield police. Yeah, but Craig's not. They're oh, not no, Craig very is good. Craig is involved. They're not very good at anything except for harassing women <laughs> and, and not yeah, arresting and stalkers. They're, they're very good at tutting when a woman comes in to complain about something. Right. <sighs> Another woman. Bloody hell. Get Swain on it. Is Swain involved in this? Get Swain involved in this. She'd crack this case. Ah. She was not the best when it came to Amy's rape, let's remember. She wasn't, but I could see what they were doing with that. Yeah. Yeah. But, she, but, but I agree, she and wasn't. What best. happened to that other lady cop who was sympathetic for Daisy? Oh, yeah, she never and and, and and blew, kind of blew the whistle on that other cop, that other detective who started following Daisy and harassing her and leaving comments and stuff on her socials. Mm. Oh well. Bring that cop back. Our penultimate storyline tonight is take a hint, Aaron. Geez. Already? On Friday, number one, there's been a concert cancellation, so Asha wants to organise a party for Nina's 21st. And so she ropes Amy in to help. Yeah, they were supposed to go to that concert for Nina's birthday, and it's it's been cancelled. It's tomorrow. The question of Aaron's invitation comes up, but Asha assures her that he's off the list, what with him being a rapist and everything. That's the last thing Nina would want on her birthday. And Devs, Asha and Addy are chatting about the party when Aaron comes in and as he overhears the chat, he ends up inviting himself along to Nina's 21st anyway. Yeah. Later, Asha goes to the garage and she isn't being funny. I'm not being funny, she says, but she's in charge of the invitations, not Addy, and I'm not being funny here. And she uninvites Aaron, who promises not to come to the party, but allows Asha to keep his donation to the beer fund. Right, he says, just consider it a birthday present Later. to Nina. Asha explains that Aaron has been uninvited and Amy reacts a bit weirdly to the fact that he was invited in the first place. Right. Asha and Addy worry that they've said something wrong, but truth is, they they really don't know what to say anymore. Right. And then the pub, and they're both still confused. Addy reckons that Aaron is a good guy and deserves a second chance with them all now that Amy has admitted that she wasn't raped. And that's as far as we get with that. Well... And let's remember, she hasn't admitted that she wasn't raped. She says, I think maybe I got it wrong. Yeah. Which is just so vague. The worst is is that she said that she can't remember. Everybody should say, well, if you can't remember, then that's rape. Hmm. But nobody seems to want to do that. Yeah. This was all just a, well, clearly it's a... It's setting something up. Yeah, a preamble to next week when the, the party's going to happen. And one, and Aaron is one just imagines Aaron's going to show up anyway. Yeah. Because he's, while he was quick to 
to remove himself from it or to say that he, it wasn't going mm-hmm. to come up. Yeah, he that's fine. Kinda, he looked kind of like he was, these people, why am I having to do this? Right. So he gets a drink in him, he decides he's going right. to he's gonna go, a, yeah. a party anyway. Yeah, he's going to have a few first. Right. And, I mean, rightly so, Asha points out that it would be uncomfortable for both Amy and Summer. So you would think that he would at least be, like, caring about Summer. Yeah, because his relationship with Summer's dead still anyway. Yeah. And I think... But he feels kind of indignant about that as well, because Summer broke up with him because of the Amy thing. Mm -hmm. Which he thinks was not a big deal and not his fault. Because they were on a break. We were on a break. But they were on a break because he was an asshole to her earlier that night. I don't think they were like really, really on a break the way that they've been on a break before. No, they were they were on a break. They, were they? They'd broken up, yes. Who can keep up? Because it was a day of the week we were wiring it. Oh. Remember? I remember now. <sighs> so we'll see what happens with that Correct. next week. And yes. I'm hoping I'm hoping Amy's gonna to start to kick some fucking ass here mm-hmm. and get him tell. That while the the case has been Dropped. closed and there's no danger at all, I don't think of it ever being reopened. It's now it's now done. She can still get some some sort of Amy justice right through this, which yeah. she is absolutely due. Yes, and and I think I've said Amy is the sort to she's not going to let this go. She's right. not going to let this just. But let's remember, she has been traumatized more than once in a sexual nature over the past few years. And that does affect someone's personality. It does. But, you know, damn it, she's a strong, strong woman. Oh, so strong. Such a strong woman. So very strong. That truism aside, Hmm. I really want her to be that. Because she's a wronged, she is unquestionably the wronged party here, and yes. you want some retribution for that. Yes, and I hope she gets that or yes. starts to get that next week. Do you think she will kill? <clears throat> no, no. I think if the Stephen thing wasn't going on, then maybe she, Tracy would kill for her. Maybe. Hmm. I don't think she would kill. I don't think she's that. No. Anyway. anyway. Our final storyline this week is William Shakespeare's Craig plus Faye. No. On Monday, Faye and Craig are having breakfast. He still doesn't seem keen on Faye spending time with Jackson, but he's prepared to let it go because of Miley. Well, that's big of you, Craig. Yeah. Fuck off, Craig. Then later, Jackson and Miley, who don't work at the factory, turn up at the factory and they're quickly joined by Craig, who also doesn't work at the factory. Craig has tickets for the Weatherfield Giants basketball game. But not the gun show. He's got tickets for Miley, Jackson and Faye to go. He isn't coming because he fucking hates basketball. That's right. But arranges to meet them in the bistro later. Yes. Jackson appreciates Craig's generosity. Faye thinks that he's doing better now that he isn't trying to introduce everyone to his batship family. Mm-hmm. She seems to appreciate it just being the three of them, though. The mm-hmm. fact that Craig's not going to be there. Yeah. The basketball game has been a great success, and you can tell it's been a great success because they've got face paint on. Yes. And on the way home, Miley drops her drink. Oh, Miley. Outside the tram station, as Jackson and Faye are flirting with each other, Faye suggests they go to Speed Doll before meeting up with Craig yeah, later. Yeah, conveniently, she conveniently spills her drink right in front of Speed Doll. Right. And, and she's Jackson, never had a lassie before. And Jackson's like, do you know, 
we're supposed to be meeting Craig, aren't we? And she's like, yeah, well, whatever, you can wait. Yes. So they're late in joining Craig, and while Faye and Jackson are at the bar, Craig presents Miley with a basketball signed by her favourite player. He checks the bar, and neither Faye nor Jackson are watching, so his further generosity has gone unnoticed, which means that it doesn't count. Yeah. Well, it counts to Miley. While this is all going on, mm-hmm. at the factory, Kirk wants to know what's for dinner, but Beth is heading into town and doesn't want any company or for him to talk about his genitals swinging around and breathing, which she threatened to do. And the reason is clear. It's because she's meeting up with Marco at the precinct. He's been trying like a bear to get some of her time, him claiming that he needs her help organising a class reunion. It's not long before Marco has Beth laughing like a drain and he makes it clear that he wants some of that. So they have a drink and she accidentally spills it down herself. So they go to the charity shop and steal a Frankie Say Relax t-shirt from a donation bag. She thinks that she's stealing from a charity shop, but it's worse than that. She's been raking because the, the bags have been left outside, outside the charity right, shop. Right, which you're not supposed to do. Marco wants to take things further with Beth and steals a kiss. She loses her bottle and says that she needs to get home, but unbeknownst to either of them, Hope was there getting a cheeky wee ice cream with Tyrone and she's taking a photo of the two of them smitching. Yeah. Marco does stick a donation in the door for the t-shirt. So he does make it he does make it better. Marco sticks in a donation, does he? He does. <laughs> I don't know what they were they were they drinking like coffee drinks or shakes or something? Oh who cares? Because it was sticky. Sticky, was it? <laughs> On Wednesday, Nina's rolls, PC Tinker is boring everyone about his job. When he leaves, Jackson announces he has an interview in town and he asks to meet up with Faye after it. Faye only has a full-time job to consider at the factory, so agrees, sure, she can make it. Later, Tim comes in and he and Miley arrange to make cakes or something while Faye's off gallivanting into town with her baby daddy. Tim seems to know there's something going on, and more than that, I, I couldn't work out if he approved or not. I, I, I think he's <clears throat> I think he's staying out of it, which is the right thing to do. He's concerned and he, he he voices concern to Faye, but doesn't tell her what she should do, meanwhile, which is good. Meanwhile, Beth is also lying to her partner, telling Kirk that she's off into town to meet with some friends. Mm-hmm. Kirk gives her some cash to have some vino on him. Aww. Faye's about to catch a tramp when Craig spots her. Faye says she's off into town to meet an old jailbird mate, so no cops allowed. <laughs> he tells her to have a great night. But it turns out that Faye and Jackson and Beth and Marco have arranged to meet in the rape hotel at the same time <laughs> and they all bump into each other. What the very fucking hell, they all say. That was kind of hilarious. But then Marco says, look, this is nothing. This is just two women in the hotel bar with their ex-boyfriends. What's right, this? yeah, it's totally innocent. <laughs> What's the big problem? The men leave the women folk to chat about it and long story short, they both have reasons to meet up with the other men without telling the first men who'll just get jealous. They both insist that their men back home are the men that they want to be with. Right. With uh, Faye insisting that she loves Craig. And she I says, love Craig. She says, I love Craig in the same voice that you'd expect when someone has said, blink if you're in danger. <laughs> what sort of, what do you think the conversation between Marco and Jackson was when they were off to take a wander around the rape hotel while Beth and, Beth and Faye have a chat? I quite like Marco calling them Jack. Right. And Jackson this Jackson. I'm glad Jackson. that that was a line in the dialogue, that somebody wrote that line. Yes. When Beth leaves, Jackson reveals that he really does want a relationship with Faye though. 
Her sunny disposition has melted his heart and he wants to spend the rest of his life with her and they kiss a bit more passionately than Beth and Marco did the other day. Meanwhile, Beth is making it clear to Marco that this uh, slight fling that they've been having can't be a thing and she throws cold water on his trousers. Whoever they had has gone and she leaves him to it. But when Beth gets home, Kirk has packed his bags and is moving out. He's packed garbage bags. That's His what ha- bags are garbage. A textbook black bagging. He's seen Hope's photo of Beth snogging Marco and he can't live with a cheat. Beth says Kirky quite a bit, but it doesn't work. So he goes and he stays with his for the night. Why? You have a perfectly good sister named Maria. Go stay with her. Why are you staying with Fizz, who has a full house already? Do you know, it, I think it's the idea of Kirk and Gary hanging out that I just can't, I can't process that. They must hang what would, out. What would Kirk and Gary say to each other? They'd probably just grunt at one another. I mean, Kirk and Tyrone, they're great pals. Right. But that house is already full. Mm-hmm. The rose gold flat is not full, necessarily. Well, now Kelly's moved out. Yeah. Huh. You have a sister. Anyway. Her name is Maria. He tells Hope that he's glad that she took the photo. And well, Hope, that's why. Hope is clearly loving this after the whole Scylla the Chinchilla debacle and says you're welcome. And Beth being slappy. And the look on Hope's face is just hilarious. Remember, this is supposed to be lighthearted Hope. Well, it was hilarious. Faye and Jackson get back to Tim's and are surprised to see Craig there. He says he's just been for a wee. Invited over by Tim. Faye appears to be uncomfortable or is holding in a fart or something, but puts on a smile in front of Craig and Tim. Then on Friday, Craig and Faye are in Nina's roles again. He's going on about how he loves hanging out with Miley and he suggests a takeaway tonight. Surprise me, she says, and then heads off for work, but not before they say, I love you to each other, and the wallpaper starts to peel off the wall in the cafe. <laughs> when she's gone, Craig spies an engagement ring in his pocket. Oh dear, I think. In the factory. Apparently that costs seven ninety nine at Claire's. That ring? Yeah. I mean you couldn't exactly see the Any of the, it. the the chink in it where the Titanic hit it, put it that way. <laughs> in the factory, Kirk still doesn't want to talk to Beth and refuses to let her call him Kirky anymore. She's lost her Kirky rights. And interestingly, on Classic Corey today, there's a scene with Kirk and Fizz who are just starting to go out with each other where Fizz starts to call Kirk Kirky and Kirk says don't call me Kirky right. I hate being called Kirky so at some point in the last 20 years he's relented right yeah well because it's Beth well, I guess Faye wants to know what's going on so Beth tells her blaming the whole thing on Hope who she calls a poisonous hobbit <laughs> which is hilarious <laughs> Jackson just like she's got hairy feet Jackson is waiting outside the factory when Faye leaves He's turned into a bit of a psycho overnight. He's got the he job really and, has. and now demands that she joins him and Miley to go and live in fucking Slough. Slough. Oh dear. Yes. Go and live in Slough. Which is Slough which is, is a little It's pronounced Slough, but it's written Slough. 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 Which yeah. which absolutely sounds like a place for Faye. <laughs> it's one of those little orbital towns on the west of London. It's between Reading and London. Why on earth would you have an interview in Manchester for a job in Slough? <laughs> How does Slough. make it make sense? So the Slough is where the UK office is set. 
So that, I think, tells that you must be it. Talk. Ricky Gervais is going to be Jackson's boss. If it was in Scotland, the job would be in Cumbernauld. I like Cumbernauld. Don't you? You were never in it. Yes, I was. Not properly, you weren't. <laughs> They'll be leaving in four weeks. So they go to talk about it in the community garden and are spotted by Tim at a point where Jackson is grabbing Faye's hand. Faye or has says, his yeah, or has his hand like on her thigh. Faye, Faye, Faye says to Tim that they're talking about Miley's school or something. Right. And then says to Jackson that she needs more time and can't deal with this, so runs off. And this seems to sprinkle some sand down Jackson's foreskin. In the pub, Craig tells Beth about his plans to propose over a doner kebab. Beth thinks that that'll just make him fat like a Clydesdale. He needs to do it properly. And the Glenda is passing by singing I'm Every Woman. And that gives Beth an idea. Yes. She sends Craig on his way to ask Tim for his permission to wed his daughter. (laughs) So in the cab office, Craig Craig appears in an awful suit to speak with Tim. Tim says it's face permission. He needs not his. But for what it's worth, he gives his approval. And so does Sally. In fact, Sally gives her approval first. Right, yes. On the street... Beth runs into Hope and tells her that she crossed the line. But as far as Hope's concerned, Beth had already crossed that line when she scudded Hope's jaw. And now they're evens. Beth once more has been outsmarted by her child. Evens, Stevens. Faye goes into the pub for a drink, but instead Daisy gives her an envelope with instructions. So the instructions are to go to the community garden where she was holding hands with Jackson earlier. And Craig's there in that honking suit while Glenda sings a song and Kirk plays the guitar. And Craig has even invited Jackson and Miley along. And then he gets down on one Which knee. Is weird. And proposes. And after a pause that probably feels longer than it was because all the plant life in the garden is dying and the iron bars and the fence are melting <laughs> and the cringe is so high, Faye says yes. We're never, get- never, ever ambush a woman with a surprise proposal. Ever. We're bad, ge- bad Craig. We're getting married, says Craig. And the sky turns black and it starts to rain frogs. Glenda sounds great, though. She does. Hey, you know what? She can sing. Yeah, and they should they should use that. They should use that to full advantage, all the time. Just uh, rather all than the just time. the last couple of weeks. It's like uh, I haven't seen it yet, but apparently in the Super Mario Brothers movie, Bowser sings a song about how much he loves Princess Peach. And the reason why Bowser sings a song about how much he loves Princess Peach is because Bowser is voiced by Jack Black. If you have Jack Black in your movie, you gotta make him sing. Right? And what's this got to do with Glenda? Well, because it, it's the same thing. If you have an actor who can sing, oh, sure. make them sing. Yeah, and she, she was great when she was singing I'm Everyone as well because she was doing it loudly. Yes, she was great. <laughs> I love her so much. Yeah, she's just fantastic. I also love Jack Black. At the pub, Everyone except Jackson and Miley are having engagement, celebratory drinks, while Faye pretends to be happy and ignores the text that she's getting from Jackson. Tim notices that something's up here, but Craig doesn't, and he approves of Faye leaving her own engagement party to go home to have a nap. Oh, Faye. On her way out, Tim checks that she's okay, and she insists that she knows what she's doing. So, yeah. So Faye goes back to the community garden to sit and think. Michael comes along, and Faye explains what's been happening with the proposal and kissing Jackson and the promise of slough. Michael advises her to think about where she wants to be next year and that no no matter what she decides, someone is going to get hurt. Right. Who does she want to be with? Craig or this guy? Right. Neither of them, good options. 
Yeah, I'm thinking. Jackson that. was fine before, but now all of a sudden he's a bit of a psycho. What a psycho he's become! Out of Craig and Jackson, I'm like, can Just you possibly stay single? Can you possibly go out with Michael? Michael seems to be the the pick of the bunch out of these three. Right. Yes. And Michael touches her thigh as well, which right didn't seem to attract a reaction from her. No, no, because they're besties. <clears throat> they're work best. That's her work husband. Later at the party, Kirk is still fuming with Beth. She promises that she'll never see Marco again, but Kirk tells her that she can't unkiss him, and he leaves. Kirk is, do you know what? He's got a firm approach to infidelity. Right, and morality. And it's unswayable. No. And I kind of have to respect that. I have respect that, for that, right? yes. Yes, it's you interesting. Might not, you might not think that this means anything, Beth. But, but it I means do. something to me, mm. yeah. That's actually forming a bit of respect for Kirk here. It's so weird watching his guitar him. playing was was pretty adequate as well. Right, so. it's it's weird kind of watching him in classic Corey, where like he speaks in full sentences. Yeah, and he was a bit of a wrong one, and yeah. he wasn't always an idiot. No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So Faye meets Jackson at the precinct. He's fuming because Craig invited them to the proposal thing. He tells her that Craig is obviously wrong for her. He's got a point. And that they're better. Mm, Faye doesn't know not. when they suddenly became a thing and said it was a mistake to meet him and she storms off. She's fair getting her steps in today. Later still, Craig is still in the pub at his own engagement party without his fiancée. Beth thinks it might be truly over with her and Kirk. Craig gives her some words of wisdom based on the flimsy evidence that he loves Faye and he decides to go off to wake her up. Beth says, Faye is lucky to have him, but she has her fingers crossed. If you're at your own engagement party and you say, yeah, I'm going to go home to wake up my fiancé now. Well, there's so many things wrong with that, isn't there? So many things wrong. On his way, he bumps into Jackson, who tells him that Faye is confused between Craig and Jackson and he doesn't want to marry him, and they've been meeting behind Craig's back, and how Faye is considering moving to slow. What a bitch you are, Jackson. Seriously. Yeah, that was... Because Faye said none of that. Faye said she needed more time to think. Yeah, these are all things that he... These are words that he's put into Faye's mouth. Right, These yeah. are the things that he wants Faye to be doing and saying. <laughs> right. But Faye, to her, to her credit, isn't quite there yet. Right. She's not quite there yet that way. And on the other spectrum, she's gotten ambushed in front of her family by Craig with a proposal mm-hmm. that she wasn't expecting and wasn't prepared for. And she's not going to say no in front of all of those people with Glenda singing in the background. Yeah, if that had happened, Glenda might never have sang again. Yeah. And that would have been a shame. It would. Faye drops into Speed Dial for a takeaway and on her way home, it's back to the community garden to chat with Craig who explains his meeting with Jackson and he wants the truth or they're done. Fuck you, Craig. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you. Then we're done. Right. Thank you for making this so easy. Please have your, I guess this is an <laughs> engagement ring. Please have this hula hoop with some tipex on it. Please have this back. And by hula hoop, I mean the the, the potato chip. That's, <clears throat> even that's too big. Faye denies it all, saying that she turned Jackson down. She isn't Which moving to slow. Didn't do. And that they're, the only reason that they're together is as Miley's co-parents. Notably, she neglects to mention the kiss. She says Jackson is the one who's confused. 
and she blames Craig for inviting Jackson to the proposal for all this in the first place. He apologises and says the curry smells good. And I really hope he's talking about the takeaway. And That's that, going to make him fart. And that is how we end this week's episodes. This is how we end this week's episodes. This is how we end this week's episodes. This feels monumentally rushed. Because it feels like it was earlier last week when Faye had no intention of meeting Miley. Right. Didn't want didn't want a single didn't thing to do with it. To do with her. Right, and we we're like, oh, so brave of the show to be showing this side of womanhood of not wanting to be a mother. And not, then they just fuck that all up. Lost the day. And now like she's like totally hardcore mum of the year. Yes, yeah, I'm her mum. I'm yeah. her mum. Yeah. Well, you know what? Two weeks ago you weren't. Right. Two weeks from now you might not be again. Right. It feels like uh I mean we are clearly going in a particular direction here that if if Faye is declaring her love for Craig, then you can be sure that she's going to change her mind sooner rather than later about right. all this. And it just... Yeah, I just... I just Why have they all of a sudden decided to make Jackson creepy? How is that going to attract Faye? Shouldn't you make him the least creepy and the most understanding guy ever and that's how he convinces Faye to move? I... We were already slowly moving in that direction. Why now make him a creepy asshole? He was a nice guy before he this was. week. Before all this of week, a sudden now he's a creepy asshole. Before this week, all he had in his mind was, how does this affect Miley? Right. And if this affects Miley badly, then it can't happen. Right. So all this stuff with the extended family and what have you right we really need to knock that in the head because this is confusing her and it's overwhelming right. her and all that stuff was absolutely fine yeah now he's kind of threatening to say to miley that they're all going to go to slough and be a happy family together so right how do you go from the jackson from two weeks ago to the, to jackson, the jackson now in tonight's episode yeah with nothing happening really yeah in between suddenly he's decided that are all the good writers just on the Ryan story? Is that what's happening here? What's it, going on? It does feel like nobody really cares about this. That there's, yeah. that there's no effort being put into, no. into fleshing this out. They're letting Freddie write this storyline. <laughs> we've got we've got we've got a month to completely change how these relationships work and go off in a direction. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to hurry to get to that point right. as quickly as possible and it doesn't matter that yeah. all of this is out of character for everyone i mean they keep on saying i love you each other and they need to stop it because it right just because it doesn't it doesn't sound true it draws attention to it yeah it draws attention to the fact that it's not believable so it was more believable jackson and faye until he became a creep monster mm -hmm. yeah so now it's like i, I can't believe faye would be with Either Any one of, of these them. People. Yeah. What about the Beth and Craig and Kirk stuff? That's See, that I like. That makes sense. That is a good use of those characters. That and well, you know, how also long have including we been waiting, the whole hope thing. How long have we been waiting for Kirk to be used in and something that's not right? That allows him to speak in complete sentences. That's not stupid comedy that's based on Kirk being stupid. I mean, right. that, this is at least something for him. Kirk having principles is great, mm -hmm. and, and and I'm all for it. 
I just don't want something stupid to happen that's the big reset button and, and puts them back. It was nice having Beth happy. Right. And she was. She was genuinely happy. And this Marco character seemed to be quite interesting. I kind of right. like... I can kind of like the cut And like a jib. genuinely nice guy. You know, the way he, you know, slips the, the money in the, in the door mm-hmm. of the charity shop. I feel like I have to be really specific about that now. You know, and seems genuinely interested in Beth and speaks to Beth in complete sentences. You know? You're a big one for complete sentences. I am such a big one for complete... That's why I'm with you. Do you realise that you didn't complete that sentence? Yes. That's hilarious. <laughs> You'll have a moment in the, in the rape hotel when they were all kind of denying the whole right. reason why they were all there and... And he just introduced himself as Beth's ex-boyfriend, which kind of just blew all the pretense out of the water. Right, which was nice. That was hilarious. It was hilarious. And just the look on Faye and Beth's face when they turn and they notice one another for the first time. Oh, you've got to be fucking kidding me. Right. It was great. (laughs) And that conversation between Beth and Faye I thought was really good because sometimes Beth can be a real bitch to Faye Mm -hmm. because she's all about taking care of her Craigie. You know, and uh, which I can kind of understand, but also, you know, if our children were ever to decide to have a relationship with another person, which I'm not holding my breath, <laughs> you know, I would be nice to those people unless unless they were genuinely awful to our kids, and then I would I would become Mama Bear. But F- Faye is just there. <laughs> It's it's impossible for Faye to be actively unkind to Craig because it's because Faye just can't be actively anything to anybody except, of course, with Miley. That actually brings out something of the character, both in her relationship with Miley and then kind of her relationship with other people, you know, within the storyline. You know, it's it, it it once again, it's an interesting thing where a character that's just with certain people, with certain other characters, you're just like, oh, this is unbearable. I don't like this. But with other people, they're great. Like when Seb was with Faye, that was awful. When mm-hmm. Seb was with Nina, it was great. Mm-hmm. Todd with Billy, awful. Todd with his mom and George great mm-hmm. it's just finding the right balance and i think they've realized that the whole Faye and craig thing was just absolutely not the right balance and they're trying to get out of it but they also just don't fucking care yeah the the relationship that Faye and miley have developed feels kind of quick but also feels believable right and and miley's relationship with tim with Tim calling her trouble and everything and just being like a fantastic granddad Mm -hmm. who knew Tim had it in him. Right. And he's loving it. He's loving being a granddad, you know, and he's so much better at it than homeless do it. (laughs) Oh, geez. Seriously. (laughs) You know, and, and they don't teach you how to be a granddad on the streets. Tim (laughs) and the relationship that Tim and Miley have seems to have enhanced Tim's relationship with Faye, you know, because we, we see them together and it's not with Faye just moaning up and down the stairs. Well, the, the, the stairs of discovery. Right. Yeah. It's, it's 
Tim trying, Tim very kindly trying to give her advice without giving her advice and being concerned about her and them just having a good time with one another. That's great. Faye with her family. Fantastic. Faye with a romantic partner. No. Well, not so far. Although, although, you know, you've put it into my head now. I think she and Michael would be great together. They have more going on. They have more going on than, than they have better chemistry than Faye and Craig. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest. Hey, that would actually, you know, now that I think about it, I feel like that would actually work and be good because she laughs, she smiles with Michael. <laughs> right. She finds his jokes funny. Nobody finds Craig funny. Not in that not way. Not that way. No, not that way. Ugh. Yeah, I just think the 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 pace at which this is happening feels kind of it feels like it's Jacob all over again. It's there, there's an end point that we need to get to in a hurry, so right. therefore we need to just accelerate all these actions and reactions, right. and we need to heighten everything because right. reactions can't be demure they have to be overblown because we need to generate something else to happen right and and it, it it's never it's never great to watch and and seeing really I, I completely agree that having jackson as something of the archetypal boyfriend right would have made far more sense and could have turned Faye's head far far, faster far better and far better this way than just, this weird why possessiveness. Would you, why would you want to be anywhere near somebody who did that? You wouldn't. Oh, well, we will see where that goes next week. No doubt mm. that's got a little bit of runway left on it. Yes. But that really was the week that was Coronation Street. Yes. It was a decent week. It was a pretty good week. I wasn't overwhelmed with tonight's episode, but... Wednesday was good. But Wednesday was good, and the whole Ryan stuff has been mm. just fantastic. Yeah. So, yeah, I think we'll probably give it a pass. So tell me, Helen, what was your moment of the week? Ryan's bandage is coming off. Oh, it really has to be, and, yeah. and Carla's reaction to it was, yes. oh, the pair of them were, were wonderful. Yeah, it just Carla being the best aunt ever. I'm so glad the show remembered that, that they are kind of related. <laughs> yeah, we, we've had a few little bits and bobs this week where you've you're putting characters together that that make sense together, but haven't right. had much time together in a while. Right. And Carl and Ryan were yeah. were amongst the best of that. Yes, absolutely. That. Yeah, yes. that was fantastic stuff. That is our moment of the week. Moment of the week. Your boring moment of the week. Craig. <laughs> Craig. Just Craig. Do you know that proposal? I, I had to, it was so cringy. I, I was cringing up. the whole way up. through it. I had to stand up and and turn away. It was so, and it was. That's so, not boring, but yeah, it was. It was cringe. It was the cringe of the week, mm-hmm. you know. Except for Glenda and 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 Kirk, that was good. Mm-hmm. But the actual proposal, yeah, no. What did Craig do that was Craig? Ex- it was it. Oh, it was Craig talking about being a policeman. Oh, that was boring. What was he doing? He thinks being a policeman is cool. Has he not been on Twitter lately? <laughs> not watching the news. Not watching the news. He should. 
he's he's known he is a bent cop. Oh yeah, totally bent cop. He should know better. Is that why Faye sticks with him? Is because he helped to destroy evidence that would have got her done for killing the old man? Probably. Oh, Craig being boring about being a policeman. That is our boring moment. Craig thinking being a policeman is cool. (laughs) (laughs) To young children. Well, shall we wrap this one up then? Yes, please. So if you think what you do is cool, write in to tell us about it. We are the talk of the street at gmail.com and we're at Corey Podcast on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. You can shout me and Helen a coffee by heading to ko-fi.com, that's ko-fi.com slash the talk of the street. Check out the clicky clicky section of vogel.co.uk for links to our merch store and YouTube channel. And if you're so inclined, please leave a rating and a review on iTunes or your podcast provider of choice. Thanks for making it to the end of another episode. Thank you. And we will be back next week with more. A talk of the street. Talk of the street. Bye. Cheerio.